What's different about this week than last week? Last week, I was reliving 9-11 on the 20th anniversary, sharing firsthand accounts, stories of not just people who didn't make it, but people who turned back and intervened to save others. A good number of those saving lives were Christians. But what about this week? People are still helping in remarkable ways. A quick-thinking 11-year-old girl saved a puppy's life after a house caught fire in Florida. In Georgia, teachers surprising a custodian with a car. He no longer has to walk to work. A brave California mom fought off a mountain lion with her bare hands to save her five-year-old son. Or those New Orleans nurses volunteering to stay behind caring for babies in a NICU as Hurricane Ida swept through Louisiana. Look for the helpers, Mr. Rogers would say. It's true. In all these, we see glimpses of the Lord's intervening love. He came to save and not condemn. Welcome to Haven Today. I'm Charles Morris, sharing the great story with you that's all about Jesus. And we're in a series this week called This is Love. I had helpers in my life pastors and friends who pointed me to Jesus when I was struggling. And that's my great desire with this program, to help you know Jesus better. And that's why we take time to look to him in the Bible. And it's also why we talk with other Christians who love Jesus, their story, their experiences, so often encouraging us on how God is always at work in the lives of his people. In a moment, I want you to hear how Jesus has touched the life of a Christian singer. He's in a family singing group called the Irwins, and they know how this story ends. Everything is perfect and suddenly the fall, ruined and rebellion like a wrecking ball. We say goodbye to leading the great divide begins, but we know how the story ends. Heaven reached down to save the day Through the flood and famine God made a way Centuries of testing and armies closing in But we know how the story ends We don't fear when the world goes dark Cause He is strong and we trust in Him He's overcome so we don't lose heart Cause we know how the story ends Yeah. 
this song with a great reminder that the Bible reminds us who wins in the end. The Irwins and the story ends here on Haven Today. And I'm Charles Morris. If you've been listening to the program already this week, you know we've been talking with the Irwins. They've been traveling with their evangelist father all their lives. And now they travel all over singing about Jesus. But this family is not just going through the motions. They really do love Jesus. So I asked Chris Irwin to share with us who Jesus was to him. It's easy to feel complacent or to feel safe when you're raised in church. I was raised not just in church. I was raised going from church to church, which means every I mean, if those who have traveled or have, have, have visited different churches know that every church is different. There's no two churches the same. There are no two churches the same. And I've seen good. I've seen some horror stories, obviously, who, who hasn't, if you've been in the church long enough. But I will say, I'll never forget when Jesus became, instead of something I've heard about, instead of something I've heard of all of my life, it's not, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm blessed now. I can see that I'm blessed to have had the upbringing that I've had. And I'm very thankful to God that God has blessed me, even in protecting me from a lot of things. I'm thankful to say that. But I cannot stress enough for anybody who's listening to this that have maybe been raised in church. Maybe they're so comfortable. They know all the lingo and everything, but this is a personal, real relationship with Jesus that wants to be with you. He wants to love you. He wants to give you peace. I know this 2021, there are countless things around. You could literally open your eyes and feel distracted, feel overwhelmed, feel like it is a lost cause. There's no reason to why try, but Jesus wants to give you that purpose that only he can give and that peace, that calm assurance that surpasses understanding or surpasses circumstance. And I'm thankful that God has, he's still, it's it's a work in progress, but I'm thankful that even, I guess really over the past decade for me, I've I've slowly seen that he wants to have a personal relationship with you. He doesn't want, he doesn't want to, you know, there's no grandchildren. There's no, is no, my relationship is not because of my father's relationship with Christ. It is 100% a real thing, an individual thing, and God wants that. And and the more you can draw close to Him, the more even your relationships around you will fall into place. And it's all about perspective. Keep Him first, and it's it's almost like that was written in the Bible or something. You know, keep keep Jesus first, and He will line everything up. And but I guess everything I'm trying to say is, it's a personal thing, and it's a, it's a it's a real thing. And He will, He'll give you the peace, and He will calm you in the hectic days of 2021. Chris Irwin, from the music group The Irwins. And yes, his other siblings, Keith, Cody, and the only sister, Katie, all begin with K's as well. And you just heard one of their new songs from their new album called This Is Love. You need this gospel-centered and uplifting album in your life, so call us after the program. Make a gift to Haven today, and we'll send it out to you right away. Our number you can call is 800 654 2836 haven Or visit our website after the program. Watch the video we shot with the Irwins in Texas 
You're going to love their acapella singing when you do. And then you can make your gift at haventoday.org. Haventoday.org. And if you were listening last week but didn't get to it, we still have copies of the book Let's Roll, Ordinary People, Extraordinary Courage for Your Gift to the Ministry. Well, here on Haven Today, I'd like to ask you a question now. What did Jesus say Christians should be known the most for? I hope you recall his words in John 13, where Jesus talked about the mark of a Christian. It's their love for one another. And that love then goes out to the world that we belong to him. His love shapes us, turns us outside of ourselves, and focuses us on him and our neighbor. By this, Jesus said, all people will know that you are my disciples, if you love one another. Love the Lord. Love our neighbors. That's the truest mark of a Christian. But First John doesn't let us turn this mark into something we have to do. We love, he says, because the Lord first loved us. Those who have tasted and seen that the Lord is good, that his love for us brings life and hope. It is these who go out into the world changed. Yes, to love is a high calling, the highest, but it's rooted in Christ's love for us. Just what is this love, though? We love because the Lord loves. Our love proclaims to the world that we are Christ's disciples. But that doesn't tell us what this love is, does it? Thankfully, the Lord hasn't left us to figure it out. So many places and places in the Bible tell us exactly what his love for us looks like, but none no more famous than John chapter 3. A member of our team just moved to Texas, starting his Ph.D. at the flagship school in Austin, the Longhorns. And just like any school in Texas, football is a big deal. I can relate. I grew up in Oklahoma, and football is just as big there as it is anywhere. It shapes your week every fall. Everyone goes to a game or at least watches the game. A city almost shuts down for a few hours on Saturdays, sometimes high school on Friday nights. On Saturdays, the Longhorns are playing at home sometimes. And when it comes to football, you're known by your love and your commitment to your team. It marks you out as a true fan. It's a communal identity. Sound familiar? But at almost every football game, especially those televised, you'll always see this in the end zone. No, not a field goal post. Behind that, almost always, you'll see a sign with John 3.16 written on it. In a sea of signs and jerseys and team support, someone will always be there to intervene with a sign of the Lord's love. And that's really the first thing I need to say about what the Lord's love is. It intervenes. Instead of standing off at a distance and watching us in our misery and sin, his love enters in. He intervenes on our behalf. In a sea of suffering and sorrow, of long work hours, maybe even anxiety about whether we've done enough, the Lord intervenes with his love written. Not on a sign in an end zone, but on the body of Christ hanging on a cross. I want to read a little of John 3 so we can all hear what it means when we say the Lord loves us. Verse 14, just as Moses lifted up the snake in the wilderness, so the Son of Man must be lifted up, that everyone who believes may have eternal life in him. And then, of course, you know the next verse. 
For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal or everlasting life. And then on to verse 17. For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. The Lord's love looks like an intervention. Entering himself into our situation, addressing our deep need, and putting the cost of our reconciliation on his own account. It's something we need to sit with for a minute. Too many people, I'm afraid, around this world, especially in North America today, think about their relationship with the Lord like a ladder. If they can just do the right things and believe the right doctrine, they can climb higher. Climb high enough, and you just might reach him. It puts the entire idea of reconciling with the Lord on us, on what we do, on how we live. It turns our gaze onto ourselves, and it leads us in only two directions. When we're climbing the ladder, doing well, we can be pompous. After all, we're the ones that are climbing this ladder. No one else has climbed as high as we are. It must be because they aren't as good or holy. But what happens when we fall? Well, it's despair. Maybe I'll never be with the Lord. The ladder is too high, too hard. Maybe I should just give up. Trust me when I say I've walked in both of these directions too many times in my life as a Christian. The latter mentality is tempting. But John 3.16 provides the solution. It is not who needs to climb up the ladder to get to the Lord. It's actually the Lord who sends his son down the ladder to save us. For God so loved the world that he sent his one and only son. He meets us down here where we are. And this is what the incarnation is all about. The Lord getting his own hands dirty by entering into our history as the son of a carpenter. Jesus lived his life in a poor village. He was poor. He saw that it's bare up close and personal. He spent time with the religious elite of the day. He saw the pompous, but he came to save and not to condemn. His love, first and foremost, is an intervention, breaking into our story to redeem us out of the despair and away from the arrogance that so many of us experience day by day. But it doesn't end there. Just like John 3.16 signs in the end zone of football games, Jesus was held up as a sign of the Lord's love. When Israel became sick because of their rebellion against the Lord in the Old Testament, God had Moses make a bronze snake and hang it up on a pole. It wasn't an idol. The people didn't worship the snake. But when they looked at the bronze serpent, the Lord healed them. In the midst of their rebellion, the Lord intervened, and he saved them. And the snake was a vivid picture of that rescue. And just like that, Jesus was lifted up for us. It was like the Lord entered into our world of sin and suffering, full of rebellion and despair, the sea of people with their jerseys on and their signs. And instead of going in with the home team, instead of simply standing in contrast to the home crowd, Jesus himself was lifted up. He stood out. And just like that snake, Jesus was lifted up when he died on the cross in our place. The Lord intervened. He sent his son. 
And the Son, Jesus Christ, was lifted up as an unmistakable sign of his love for us. Anyone who looks at Jesus and believes will be saved. Whoever believes in him will be saved. They will not perish, but have everlasting life. That's the promise of the Lord's love. That's what it means when we sing along with the children's song, Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible tells me so. His love is displayed for all to see on the cross. And not just the cross, of course, but also the resurrection and his life of love and service while he walked on earth. This is love. Not that we have loved the Lord and climbed the ladder to reach him, but that he has come down, down, down to redeem us from our life of sin and sorrow. And it's this love that turns us outward to our suffering neighbors, those who are in despair, who have nothing, and are reminded every day that this world doesn't care about them. We're turned to the pompous, too. Those who think they have enough to save themselves and who think their value is in their work. Christ's love humbles the arrogant and it lifts up the despairing. Where are you today? Has life beaten you down so much that you aren't quite sure if the Lord's love is real? Or are you walking in pride, thinking that the Lord loves you just because you seem to have it all? No matter where you are, you need the Lord and His love has been displayed for all to see. It's there on the cross. And by this we know that the Lord loves us, that Christ died for our sins. For God the Father so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, Jesus Christ our Savior. So that anyone, and that means everyone, who believes in him will not perish, but have everlasting life by the power of the Holy Spirit. Now this is love, and it's here that we find redemption, that we find hope every day of our lives. When I'm surrounded by uncertainty And my fear tries to steal control There's one thing that is no mystery Jesus loves me, this I
Aaron Schust, and this I know here on Haven Today, and I'm Charles Morris. And I'm thankful we could take some time out of our day to look at the amazing love shown to us by Jesus Christ. How do we know he loves us? He gave himself for us on that cross so many years ago. And for 2,000 years now, Christians have sought to walk in that kind of love. Sometimes we fail, but there's always forgiveness. But sometimes there are people who stand out, like Todd Beamer, who willingly laid his life down to help others on United Flight 93 to stop terrorists from flying the plane into Washington, D.C. After the terrorists took over the cockpit of Flight 93, Todd got on his cell phone with Verizon operator Lisa Jefferson. He wasn't sure if he'd see his wife Lisa or their children again. Lisa, the phone operator shared the story with CBS News just 10 days after the attack. They're all heroes in my eyes. They really are. They all pitched together, and they did what they thought was the best thing to do at that time. And um, I feel that Todd played a great role in that because when he told the guys, are you ready, I assumed that they were waiting on his cue. Then they responded to him, and he said, okay, let's roll. And would you please help me welcome his wife, Lisa Beamer, here tonight. She called me that Saturday morning. I told her, I said, you have two boys, David and Andrew? She said, yes. Yes, I do. I said, you're expecting your third child? She said, yes. He told you all of that. I said, yes, he did. And he wanted me to let you know that he loved you and his family very much. And I gave her a message and kept my promise. Lisa Jefferson sharing about those final moments of Todd Beamer's life. Those on United Flight 93 were true heroes. They gave their lives to protect others. And Lisa Beamer, Todd's wife, wasn't surprised. Todd was a leader. He was a follower of Jesus. And he followed in his Savior's footsteps to lay down his life for others. As we remember these events from 20 years ago last Saturday, I want you to be encouraged by the book called Let's Roll, Ordinary People, Extraordinary Courage. Lisa wrote it to not only tell her husband's story, but to encourage others to keep their eyes on Jesus, just like her husband did in his final moments of life. You can get that book for your gift to this ministry. Why don't you call us right now at 800-654-2836. 65 Haven. Or you can make a gift on our website and ask for Let's Roll at haventoday.org. Haventoday.org. And when you call us or go online, ask about the Irwin CD called This Is Love. You heard some of their music earlier, and it's all about Jesus. You can also listen to an extended interview I did with them in Texas when you listen to our new podcast called Great Stories with Charles Morris. That's my name. And I want to invite you to come back and join me tomorrow when again together we'll share that great story, that story that never grows old because it's all about Jesus here on Haven Today. Here for your encouragement and your walk with Jesus, I'm Charles Morris with Haven Ministries inviting you to anchor your day in God's Word. Every fast food restaurant has a slogan, I'm loving it, think outside the bun. Have it your way. But what about Christians? What should our slogan be? John the Baptist's words to a group of religious leaders might be our best bet. 
he must become greater. I must become less. In all things, we want the Lord Jesus to be exalted, not ourselves. Now, John the Baptist was ministering so powerfully that people thought he was the Messiah. But his words were clear. There's only one. Jesus is, not John, not you, not me. He must increase. His glory must shine brightly. We must decrease. We can live all of life by this slogan, and he will be exalted. Spend more time with Jesus with Anchor Devotional. Visit getanchor.com.